So uh, this is a parable. It's a story that Jesus told that uh, within a parable is a deeper meaning. Now, sometimes it's difficult to really understand the context of these stories, these parables. Uh, for example, a bag of gold. It's really hard to know if we don't use gold. It's really hard to know what he's talking about. To me, when I think of a little bag, a bag of gold, I think about what I had as a kid. You know, the little, the little leather pouch with the fake gold nuggets that had a drawstring and you had those. That's what I think about. So it doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like a lot. Uh, but the Greek word here is talents for bag of gold. So maybe you've heard this as the parable of the talents. Now, that's great, but that doesn't help us either because we don't know what a talent is. Um, so I'm, I'm about to break out some serious math skills, so buckle up. All right? All right? Good? So one talent equals 6,000 denarii. Still no help, right? What in the heck's a denarii? Well, a denarii is uh, one day's wage for a day laborer back then. Okay? So, to help you who might not be as skilled in math as, as me, we're going to say that's about $100. Josh raised his hand. Thank you for that. Uh, gonna, that's about 100 bucks, and that's really what that is. If you hired somebody to do some work at your house, about 100 bucks. So, a talent is 6,000 days wages. So, one talent is $600,000 in today's money. Okay? A little more than a little bag, right? And we're talking... Eight of these talents in all, right? One guy had five, one guy two, one guy one. So we're talking about $4.8 million. We're talking about a lot of money. So the one guy's given five talents, so $3 million. Next guy's given two talents, or... Now I'm lost. $1.2 million. Dude, I shouldn't have done that. Y'all are, are in awe for a moment there. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, the final one was one talent or $600,000. So we're dealing with a multi-millionaire here, this, this main guy that owns all of this. And, and it says that he's going on a journey for a long time. That's all we get. We don't know how long. He's going on a journey. And his businesses have to keep going, right? And so he entrusts to his top three guys the responsibility of handling business as he would handle if he were there, right? That's what's going on here. Gives him this money, conduct business the way I would if I were here. I'm gone. I'll see you later. So life is not boring for these three guys, right? They've been, this is probably the highest level of responsibility they've ever had. This is a big deal. They've done some other stuff for this guy, but they are, this is the job that will lead to other jobs. And so they're excited. They're excited. It's kind of real, real life monopoly for them. They're probably going to be, you know, doing some buying and selling, some hiring and firing. They're creating systems. They're doing all this, um, but it's not theirs, right? Now I've had this flesh out kind of in my life over the years. I own rental property, and um, I manage most of them myself. Uh, a number of years ago, I managed properties that someone else owned. And it was my job to treat those properties as if they were my own. Because what would have happened if I had treated them differently from the ones I owned and got the best tenants to mine and not really cared? Well, as you can imagine, I wouldn't have had that job very long, right? It was, it, the, the actual job description was to treat these houses as if they were my own. The best tenants, take care of the houses, collect the rent, all of this stuff. So that's what kind of these guys 
are doing. So two of these employees do what the, the boss has said. They go out and they work. They invest. They don't know when he's coming back, but they do the job that they've been given. And it, they're successful. Since they, two of these guys, they double their money. So again, the math. So one guy has three million, he turns it into six. Second guy has 1.2 million, he turns it into 2.4, right? Master comes back and he hears what they've done and he commends them for their, anybody remember the word? Good and faithful service, their faithfulness. That's what he commends them to, not their, their, um, their acumen, their business acumen. I mean, it was their faithfulness because they just did what he told them to do. And what's their reward? It says, he puts them in charge of many things and invites them to share in his happiness. Now, there's another story that Jesus tells that's really similar to this one. And the reward for those faithful servants was that he, um, he put them in charge of cities, plural. That's a pretty good thing. Right? They are in charge. So this is a big deal. Their reward is, uh, is huge. Uh, I guess I should say, I, I, was, I think I said, I was, I was supposed to do this last week, so I did most of my prep last week with this. And um, Jamin had put this, this whole series together, and he had, had given, assigned a title to me, um, and, and with a passage, as you'll see kind of at the end of the sermon, I kind of went a different passage than was in the lectionary, but I like the sermon title, Enough to Live. Now, Turns out last week, not being here, um, Jamin just kind of came in and took that title back. And, um, but fair enough. Uh, but I, I'm still going to tell you why I like that and why it resonated with me. Um, enough to live. This idea, when I think about what it means to really live, I think about create, creativity and risk. It's the opposite of going through the motions and playing it safe. To truly live is to get past all of those things. And that's what these first two guys do. They don't play it safe. But then there's the third guy. And there's always the third guy, right? What's going on with him? Well, it, it says it in the text, he was scared. And I get that. Why is he scared? He's scared of making the wrong decision. He's scared of losing his boss's money. And so he plays it safe. He freezes. He buries the money. Because that's better than losing. And, and I get the playing it safe. I get um, not wanting to step out of my comfort zone. I've been there so many times. I mean, the word comfort, like that says it all. I like it. I like comfort. I like being comfortable. I like doing the things that I've done before. I like doing the things that are easier. I like the, the known. Now, we all have different levels of risk tolerance. Mine's pretty high, if you ask my wife. But there are still times where I'm averse to that, and I want to play things safe. So I get where this guy is. But the boss comes back, and he's seen what these first two guys have done, and then he's gone to the third guy. And he's, he hears what the guy has done, buried the money. And this is not, he, the, the boss knew that this guy had more in him. And he 
shows that he's afraid and he's frustrated with this. He's angry with this. Because at least he could have put it in the bank and earned a little interest. But it goes way beyond that. This guy did not do what he had called him to do. He was scared, but he actually points out that it was beyond just being scared. It actually revealed his laziness. And, and the whole, whereas these first two guys get rewarded and promoted, this first guy gets demoted. Less for his fear and more for his laziness. Now, what about us? Jesus isn't just giving an investment seminar. Jesus is pointing at something else. Now, maybe you don't care about real estate. Maybe you prefer Scrabble to Monopoly. I don't get that, but it's okay. Because here's the thing. We've all been entrusted with stuff. We've all been given things. Um, money, possessions, time, skills, gifts, calling. If you're a parent, you've been entrusted with kids. And it's your job to do something good with these. I want to just talk through four kind of words. Um, words are manager, faithfulness, trust, and risk. So this first word is manager. Um, the big idea with all of this is that we are not owners. We are managers. You know, you've probably heard, basically just in church, nowhere else, the word stewardship. It's a word that's still in the church uh, vernacular, but pretty much nowhere else. The word steward basically just means manager. It's the whole idea of stewardship is that we are not owners of what we have, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's anything. We are managers. And so, again, looking back on, on my life being a property manager, that's the whole idea. I didn't own these houses. I managed them for the owner. It was my job to treat them like the owner would treat them. So how would your mindset shift if you thought of all of these things that are in your life as things you managed rather than owned? Or think about it the other way. What happens when we think that we own everything? You know, like a little toddler going around touching things, calling out mine. Yeah, you've, you've seen that? We laugh at the toddler who does that. We don't laugh as much when we are the ones doing that, but we do. Yeah. And, and that produces then in us greed and selfishness. And also, that whole idea that Jamin talked about a few weeks ago with scarcity mentality, boy, that rears its ugly head then. Why? Because... We are afraid of losing everything. So worry's there, anxiety's there, striving's there, grasping for control is there. We all know this. Hey, there's a reason Jesus talked so much about money 2,000 years ago. And it's the same reason he would talk about it like crazy today because no matter when in the world you lived, money plays a big role in our lives and is so tied to our heart. And a proper understanding is going to lead to freedom for us. An unbalanced view and fleshing it out in life is going to lead to, to bondage. That's really what, what it is. So us seeing things as a manager more so than an owner leads us to the second word is faithfulness. So when it comes to the things that you are managing for God, what does faithfulness look like? Is that something you think about? 
Are you being faithful with what you've been given? When the boss returns, would he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, or would he start talking about the weeping and gnashing of teeth? I, one of the things that Manny and I have learned is when it comes to faithfulness with the things that God's given us, planning is needed. Because left to our own devices, we will go the way of the world. We will go a way that's not actually in our benefit. And so what, you're going you're gonna to see the, the, the nerds that Manny and I are, but one of our favorite days is the first of the month because we talk about our money. And uh, we've been doing this for a long time. We, we have spreadsheets. We, we both have our own spreadsheet. We can't even, we can't even uh, agree on which spreadsheet to use. So we have our own. And that's cool. It's all right. But in, on that day, we kind of look at where we've been in the month, where we've been in the year, and we plan our, our giving and our spending and our investing. Because we know we've got to stay on top of it. We have to be proactive if we want to accomplish the goals that are in our lives. I'm not saying you got to do that, believe me. But being proactive is, is the key word there. And it's true with our money, but it's also true in how we invest our time. I think that's as big an issue in this, is, is what we do with that. Um, well, I have had to think about that a lot over the past few years. Uh, three years ago, I, I changed vocations. I have been a bivocational pastor for, a, for over a decade and also in real estate, and I stepped down from that, and it was the right decision. It was, it was a good decision for me, um, but it's caused me to have to ask questions like, what does God want me to do now? Separating, you know, apart from a title or role, you know, recognizing that the vocation changed, but the calling really didn't. The hours I had to give changed, but passion didn't. And so, boy, I think if everyone asks those kinds of questions, not just apart from your vocation, of who is God calling me to be? What is God calling me to do? Where is God calling me to invest my time, my skills, my calling, my money? They're important, important questions if we are to be faithful with who, we, who God has called us to be and what God's given us. And maybe you're in a new season of life whether it's with job or kids or COVID or whatever it is. Mandy and I, I feel like just in the last week, everything's new. Everything is different. It's causing us to ask questions. What's God calling us to do? Where is God calling us to step back? All of these things are important questions. The third word is trust. Well, within all of this, uh, we are constantly fighting the lie that it is up to me to take care of. It's up to me to take care of me. This is the lie that we are always wrestling with. The truth is, is that God loves us. He, has, he owns everything, and he wants to take care of us. Um, we, we obviously have a role to play in this, but God has a bigger role. I don't, I don't have this passage on the screen, but I want to read it. It's from Matthew 6. You might even just kind of close your eyes just to listen to these words from Jesus. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are 
you not much more valuable than they? Such a truth that I need to receive daily. That it's not up to me to take care of me. That my Heavenly Father wants to do that. He's given me some tasks. He's called me to do some things. But so much of the time, what, what ends up at the end of that passage in, in Matthew 6 is to seek first his kingdom. The whole thing of we, we get in the most trouble when we try to do God's job instead of our job. What God's calling us to is let him do his job. We do our job. Which is to seek after him, to be faithful, to obey, to trust. So here's the question. Do you believe that what you have has come from God? And what would it look like to trust God for your needs? The needs you have right now. The things that come to mind when you're still for a minute. The concerns that come to mind when you're still for just a minute. What would it look like to place your trust in God over those things? You know, when we talk about tithing, the Old Testament concept of 10%, your first 10% going to God, it is rooted in trust. It's rooted in the fact that when we tithe, we believe that God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. That's kind of where, what I like to think about. It's, it's trusting that, hey, it's 10% less that I have, but I believe that God can do more with 90% than I can do with. That, is, that has been a discipline that, that Manny and I have tried to live for a long time, and, and we've gone ups and downs with it at times, but like it's something that we believe in, and we've seen God do that in our lives. I want to encourage you with that. And it's really good to just kind of remind yourself of those times when God has stepped in, and God has met your need, maybe exactly what you needed, maybe beyond what you needed, and, and so you have those stories, and you can rehearse those stories to yourself and with others. Last word here is risk. So faithfulness just involves risk. But risk is best rooted in trust. So in, in order for these first two guys to, in the story to be faithful, they had to step out of their comfort zone. They had to do something that was risky. Risk was involved. They could fail. But they had to go there if they were going to be faithful. They had to believe about themselves what this boss believed about them. This boss believed that they had, they had everything that they needed to do with his wealth what he would do with his wealth. He, he wouldn't have given it to them, right? He wouldn't have given them this millions of dollars if he didn't believe that they had it in them to do what he would do. They had to believe that too. They had to take some risks so that that belief would actually bear fruit. So where are you playing it safe? Where are you kind of comfortable in your comfort zone? Where are you kind of hesitant to step out? Again, it may be involved with money, it may be involved with time, it may be involved with a relationship, whatever it is. I'm going to turn things over to Mandy here in a minute. To um, she's going to share about an experiment that we're going to take part in, and um, I mean I can't wait to see the 
the truths of this passage flesh themselves out. Um, as a wrap-up, though, I want to share some thoughts just on where we are as a church. Um, so we look around, and it can be disheartening sometimes to see that the people that were here a few years ago aren't here. Um, it can be disheartening. It can be hard. Uh, this is mostly due to COVID, which is impacting churches worldwide, right? Um, I tell you, though, we had a partners meeting a couple of weeks ago, and at that meeting, I looked around for the people that were here, and I was not disheartened. I was excited. There was just this sense of energy in the room, and as we kind of just talked through a lot of important things, I thought about this quote that I heard, like, read like 20 years ago that just kind of comes back in my life every now and then. It's by a guy named Gordon Cosby. He passed away now, but he was a pastor in Washington, D.C. for like several decades. I think we got it on the screen. He says, the greatest impact on the world comes about by small, highly committed, and disciplined communities of people focused on outward mission, inward transformation, and loving, accountable communities. Just leave that up there for a minute. The greatest impact on the world has not come by all of these people gathered for an event. The greatest impact on the world comes by small, highly committed, and disciplined communities of people focused on three things, outward mission, inward transformation, loving, accountable community. When, when a small group of people uh, feel a sense of ownership and responsibility for a vision and for a people, you have no idea the multiplication of impact that's possible. And I think we have an opportunity right now to be church in a new way, um, in a new role. And the, here's, the, here's what excites me. More now than maybe ever, your role matters. It, it was maybe easy in earlier days to just kind of show up. But, like, your role matters. And some of you are here today because you've stepped up and you've seen, like, I have a role to play, and it's an awesome role. And maybe you're still trying to figure that out, but I just want to encourage you that we have an opportunity to, to live this whole thing out of faithfulness and risk um, and stewardship really, really well, trusting that God will lead us. So I want to pray in the name of